Factor threw off Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got him. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, Draft Night 1 Recap. We're breaking down the key details of your newest Miami Dolphins, quotes, coaches, and teammate perspectives, statistical studies, film evaluations, your one-stop shop for the most comprehensive coverage on your 2020 Miami Dolphins rookie class. All of that coverage and more on this Thursday, April the 23rd edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Think about Loa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! That, of course, the national championship game-winning throw in overtime from your new Miami Dolphins quarterback, Tua. Tonga Vailoa, and I want to start with that play in the 2018 National Championship, the game winner over Georgia in overtime, second down and 26, and Tua delivers a 41-yard strike to Devonta Smith, where he looks off the safety and comes back to the boundary and just puts an absolute dime on his speedster receiver to win the game, to win the National Championship, and rescue a 13-point deficit. And going back to what Brian Flores has spoken about in terms of what traits he wants in a quarterback, going back to his first scouting combine in 2019, and also this past year, he talked about four traits among other things, but four that I really want to highlight here on this podcast and this play right here alone I think checks off the first box the it factor rising all tides making plays when the chips are down getting the best out of your teammates and your players and not being afraid of the big moment what bigger moment for a true freshman to come off the bench at halftime and rescue a 13 point deficit and punctuating it with a 41-yard touchdown pass in overtime after he had taken a sack the previous play that lost 16 yards and not only put Alabama out of field goal range to potentially tie the game in the first overtime, but gets it all back on the next play with the big touchdown strike. That, to me, defines having that it factor that you're going to beat me over my dead body on this football field. Number two, the leadership aspect, and we're going to get into more quotes on this here in just a second, but this one from Ken Wisenhunt, quote, he just has a personality people gravitate to because you can feel that he cares about you. You notice that quickly. He's genuine. He cares about you, his teammates, his coaches. He makes them feel important. And again, going back to Brian Flores' comments, whether it was training camp, in-season, the scouting combine, he's been consistent in his message that he prefers a quarterback that can command the locker room, has great huddle etiquette, communicate the play calls, and be a guy that guys rally around, a guy that galvanizes the locker room. And we'll talk more about that as well here in just one second because we have several accounts of Tua doing just that. The third trait, the accuracy. We've heard Mike Leach talk about it in the past. Pretty much any quarterback coach says quarterbacks are born with natural accuracy or at least developed at a young age with repetition. And we know how hard Tua worked in that area growing up as a youth, as a high school player, as a college prospect, and now into the pros. His career completion percentage, 69.3% at Alabama. And going off of the Ian Wharton at NFL Film Study on Twitter off of his Catchable Passes charting project to a through 81% of his passes last year on target according to that. Pretty accurate. 
And then fourth, and I can't really display this to you guys via a video outlet because we're on an audio platform, but the escapability, the mobility, the ability to manage the pocket and escape pressure when it arrives quickly, erasing free rushers. There are multiple examples of that pretty much anywhere you look on Tua's tape, including several of my tweets I've put out there in the universe. So Tua, mobility, accuracy, leadership, and the Ed Factor checking all four of those boxes. And so with the fifth pick in the NFL draft on Thursday night, the Dolphins land their quarterback of the future and college football's all-time passing efficiency leader is now a Miami Dolphin. He also had the highest QBR in 2018 since ESPN began charting that stat back in 2004 in the history of college football. So the efficiency metrics are there. Six foot tall, 217 pound quarterback, national champion, played in another national championship game. He went 22 and two as a star starter for the Crimson Tide, 87 touchdown passes to just 11 interceptions as a collegiate, 7,442 yards, that's 10.9 yards per pass in his career with the aforementioned 69.3% completion percentage, and those totals, 199.4 career passer rating, second to nobody in the history of college football. And all those statistics and accolades and individual accomplishments are all fantastic, don't get me wrong, that and the winning pedigree, but it's Tungavailoa's character, work ethic, and spirit that adored the quarterback to Alabama head coach Nick Saban, who said this, quote, he's a fantastic human, and forget just Tua on the field, it's who he is off the field that I think is probably more impressive, end quote. A very great example of that. After an injury cut Tungavailoa's junior season short, Nick Saban said he called his quarterback in the hospital in hopes of lifting the perpetually smiling 22-year-old spirits. And this is how that phone call went, according to Nick Saban. Quote, I called him to cheer him up. He cheers me up. This is a guy that has great spirit. He's very positive about everything he does and the effect he has on other people. I think he's a great ambassador for college football in terms of the class that he shows and the way he goes about what he does, end quote. And that was evident even from a young age with the way that Tua was able to impress coaches and authority figures alike. And Tua will always attribute that to the way he was raised back in Hawaii by his parents and the loving discipline that they instilled in Tua from a young age. And that was really shown pretty much throughout his entire football career, going back even to his high school days as the co-host of the Move the Sticks podcast, Bucky Brooks, who also serves as a camp counselor at Nike's Elite 11 passing camp. Here's his thoughts on Tua Tungavailoa. quote, his humility is genuine. His ability to connect with people from all different backgrounds is impressive, like an NFL locker room. When you think about franchise quarterbacks and all the things that they're thrust upon a franchise QB, to be the ultimate leader, to be the spokesperson. I don't know if I've ever seen a kid that's more prepared to handle those responsibilities, end quote. And so you hear Brooks talk about Tua's ability to galvanize different walks of life and different types of people and connect to all of them on a personal level. Well, that also applies to his football acumen because he played in three different offensive systems at Alabama under three different offensive coordinators. Last season, it was under Steve Sarkeesian, who spent the previous two years in the NFL ushering in that NFL-based passing offense to the college ranks at Alabama. And Sark had this to say about his quarterback, quote, it doesn't matter if it's the training room, the locker room, the practice field, the equipment room, the coach's office, that guy is a true leader. Everybody knows the work ethic, the desire, and the competitiveness Tungavailoa has, end quote. 
And another counselor, or I guess head coach that Tungavailoa had at the Nike Elite 11 camp was Trent Dilfer, who also was working with Tua in his preparations for the draft, had this to say about his time with Tua back at the Elite 11 camp. Quote, this is maybe the best thing that I can say about Tua. He's a one rep guy. He can change in one rep. You can ask him to do anything you want, and he can change it in that one rep. That coachability, that trainability is what made me know at the time that he wasn't just going to have a good college career, he was going to have a great college career, end quote. We talked about him working with Tungavailoa in the lead up to the draft, but the two's relationship really spanned back to the high school days for the Dolphins' new quarterback, quote, I have never seen a kid since I've been doing this change more in two weeks, he said of his lefty protege. Quote, I told him, hey Tua, the way you play the position, even though it looks great, doesn't translate to the next level. It lacks discipline. It doesn't benefit you the way that you move in the pocket. You can't throw in tight spaces. You have to work on this, end quote. And a 19-year-old Tungavailoa accepted the coaching and made sure those improvements were readily tangible for his Elite 11 coach to see. Dilfer had this quote after the fact, quote, he shared with us in our interview that he would go to a football practice and then him and his pops would go to the park and set up cones that we talked about in Oakland to retrain his instincts and play from under center. Notice he played more under center in seven on seven this past weekend than he played in the gun. And obviously that's why we were all so impressed and why he has a legitimate chance to be the MVP of the Elite 11 camp, end quote. And that chance became a reality as Tungavailoa took home the MVP trophy of Elite Elite 11 that year, a five-star recruit out of high school going to Alabama, obviously. And then just a short eight months later, Tungavailoa captures an even more prestigious piece of hardware, down 13 zip at halftime. You know the story. Leads the comeback, leads the charge, taking over for Jalen Hurts at quarterback at halftime and coming back from down 13-0. Brian Dayball, Alabama's offensive coordinator in that game, featured a pretty run-heavy offense that really catered to Jalen Hurts and Bama's loaded stable of running backs and the running game. That's evident by the fact that Tungavailoa, in just that one half alone, carried the football 12 times, mostly out of zone read. And that was the highest single game total of rushes in Tungavailoa's entire career that rookie season, that freshman year, his first game off the bench in considerable time because he was working mostly spot duty in other games that year. But it was Tungavailoa's passing prowess, however, that really resurrected the Crimson Tide's hopes of winning that second national championship in three years. He tossed a pair of touchdowns in regulation to get the Crimson Tide tied with Georgia and then the game winner in overtime, obviously, to Devontae Smith, a takeoff route from the boundary. Georgia has two split safeties, 15 yards off the line of scrimmage at the snap, really trying to play safe because they had 26 yards between the line of scrimmage and the first down chains, but that didn't matter for Tungavailoa. He takes the snap, holds the safety on the hash mark, and you can see that safety staying on that hash mark near Devonta Smith and looking in his direction. That creates just a sliver of a window and Tua launches a perfectly placed arcing 50-yard ball through the air for the win and for the championship trophy. And when they flash to the end zone angle on that play, it shows that boundary side safety flip his hips and run towards Smith, but then he follows Tungavailoa's eyes back to the post, and that gives him just that sliver of a window to drive the dagger through the heart of his SEC rival. And despite not starting a single game as a freshman, Tungavailoa finished the college football season with one of the more memorable throws in the storied history of the sport. He finished that year with 636 passing yards on 77 throws. That's 63.6% completion. 11 touchdowns 
and just two picks. From that championship winning moment onward, Alabama fans knew something special was in their possession. But even with the championship winning medal, Tungabailoa had to compete against the incumbent starter his sophomore year and close friend Jalen Hurts the following fall camp at Tuscaloosa. This quote from an anonymous Alabama graduate assistant that was on staff with Tungabailoa and Jalen Hurts, quote, Tua has an ability to get guys to rally around him differently than anyone I've ever seen. One thing that stood out to me was how he handled playing behind Jalen Hurts. He didn't complain or sulk. He just worked. Even after the three touchdowns in the national championship, he was asked to compete for the job the next season, and he never wavered. End quote. And Tua, of course, won the camp competition and started the 2018 opener against Louisville, playing under a new offensive coordinator in Mike Loxley, and Tungavailoa transformed the Crimson Tide offense from a traditional smash-mouth style into a record-breaking vertical aerial display. And here was a quote from Ole Miss head coach Matt Luke ahead of the team's meeting in 2018 with Alabama and Tungavailoa, quote, they can stretch you really vertically with the RPO game, which adds a dimension. It puts a lot of pressure on you because you know you have have to stop the run, but with that added dimension, it makes it very, very tough. When it does break down, Tua is able to extend the play, keep his eyes downfield, and keep his composure for a young quarterback. I think that's pretty special, end quote. Tungavailoa started all 15 games that year, setting a single-season school record in passing yardage and touchdowns. The first blemish to his win-loss record in college came in the national championship game against Dabo Swinney and the Clemson Tigers. The sophomore quarterback finished that year with a 69% completion percentage. He threw for 3,966 yards. That's 11.2 yards per attempt. 43 touchdown passes and six interceptions and was the runner-up in the Heisman Trophy voting. And heading into that 2019 title game, Swinney, now a two-time national champion head coach, was blown away by the opposition's quarterback. Quote, he's got a little bit of Brett Favre to him, a little bit of Michael Vick in him. He's got that stuff that you think you've got him, and he's got eyes in the back of his head. He spins out, and the next thing you know, it's a big play. He's so accurate in the pocket, and he's incredibly accurate on the move, end quote. It's been 15 months since Swinney made those comments, but he shared his feelings on Miami's new quarterback earlier this month on ESPN's first take, and that tune hasn't changed. Quote, I love Tua. I'm on record with that. I wouldn't pass up on Tua. I think he is a big-time winner. He's a great person and a great teammate, end quote. Finally, this past year in 2019 at Alabama, they took on a new offensive approach, more pro-style under Steve Sarkeesian, the closest replica to an NFL scheme that Tunga Bailoa has directed, and boy, did he make it go. Operating in that run-first system as a freshman, then transitioning into a vertical game that produced 2018's most accurate downfield thrower, Tunga Bailoa completed 57% of his throws 20-plus yards down the field, according to Sports Info Solutions. The 2019 system evolved under the former Atlanta Falcons play caller and Sark and Bama receiver Jerry Judy had this to say about the new offense quote I feel like we're more play by play you know last year we were more like score fast score fast big play score fast this year we're taking it slow play by play end quote and Sarkeesian is well known for his offense steeped in west coast principles but the presence of Tungavailoa kept the scheme open for multiple approaches to attacking opposing defenses on any given day quote when you can run the football you can play action pass the play action pass game is the quarterback's best friend to where defenses are trying to stop the run and now you can create throwing lanes down the field for explosive plays and then the quarterback prefers an efficient passing game high percentage completion type passing game where you can get the ball in your playmakers hands and space to go out and create plays end quote and after the record-breaking 2018 season Tungavailoa somehow manages to post even better numbers
numbers in 2019 all the way across the board. He completes 71.4% of his passes. He threw for 2,840 yards. That's 11.3 yards per attempt. So every pass attempt is a first down on average and 33 touchdowns with only three picks throughout the course of the entire season. Three seasons, three schemes, diligence, excellence, and the same core components of Tua's game allowed him to be effective in each of those three systems. And that starts with the feet, which are the foundation of all athletic movements, especially for a quarterback. Tua's feet are smooth, they're urgent, they're twitchy. He expedites the entire process of taking a snap by getting quickly into the top of his drop, staying aligned with his feet under his hips, hips under his shoulders. He can fire off that spot quickly and remain in a position to threaten the defense either with a throw or taking off as a runner. Then you pair that with the ability to process the defensive rotation at the same rate that his feet move, making for a danger, dangerous, deadly combination. Tungavailoa is able to get through progressions on full field reads and get the ball out on time and on target. And that latter part, throwing on target, is where Tua has been blessed both naturally, but also by repetitive work habits. His throwing motion is natural. He can manipulate spin and touch with an easy flick of the wrist, and he can drive the ball with extra velocity when at Ask to Tungavailoa is a master of deception at the position. He can manipulate coverages and passing lanes accordingly, whether it's going downfield or short in the slant RPO game. His feel for leverage and placement often keeps his receivers out of harm's way as he'll throw a pass to intentionally settle a receiver down in a soft spot of the zone with that intentional location, and he can put the ball on his man in stride for big run after catch opportunities. Plug on any Alabama highlight tape. It is just deep strike after deep strike after deep strike. And finally, you have the sense of coverage rotation, which is compounded by Tungavailoa's inherent ability to sense and get away from pressure. His preparation makes him privy to a variety of defensive calls and blitzes. He often knows where protection could be vulnerable. And not only that, but how to work around those obstacles and make the offense work with those vulnerabilities, whether it's attacking vertically with anticipation or moving an unblocked defensive lineman with ball fake and foot positioning, Tungavailoa can displace defenders in multiple ways. And playing quarterback is an imperfect science. Plays are drawn up for the ideal situation, but with 22 moving bodies on the field, clutter and chaos often turns a game of X's and O's into a game of Jimmy's and Joe's. And Tungavailoa is adept at processing the chaos, whether it's a free rusher or a unique defensive call, and getting himself into a position where he can make a play. All the while, the platform and arm angle must be recalibrated in a fraction of a second, and Tungavailoa routinely makes chicken salad out of those situations. This from NFL.com's Lance Zerline, quote, he has the release, accuracy, and touch needed to work all three levels successfully and can become more disciplined, full field reader to piece the puzzle together against NFL coverages. His escapability not only moves the chains, it creates chunk plays in the air and on the ground, talented dual threat quarterback with winning background, explosive production, and loads of experience in high leverage games, end quote. And Tungavailoa's teammates, just like the scouts, provide glowing reports on Miami's new signal caller. I got this quote from Xavier McKinney, Alabama's safety at the scouting combine, who talked about practicing against Tua every single day. Quote, he's helped me a lot. We've had talks after practice where he tells me what he sees because he's looked me off several times, so many times. I got to a point where I started to get frustrated because I'm like, I don't know how you're doing this, end quote. 
and ESPN's lead college football color commentator Kirk Herbstreet referenced a particular moment where he saw the way Crimson Tide receivers lit up when they saw Tua enter the huddle at an Alabama practice during his freshman season before that national championship game. Quote, the night before the national championship, I was allowed into practice with my access, and when Tua came in, you could almost just feel the receivers like, here we go, and I was standing next to Josh Jacobs, who wasn't practicing, and after watching Tua go down the field, boom, 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 and a two-minute drill, Jacobs said to me, he's been doing that all year, end quote. And Tungavailoa's success that night on college football's biggest stage was the start of a trend of elite production. In his two years as a starter, Tungavailoa earned pro football focus grades of better than 90. That's the publication's cutoff for the territory of elite, elite players. Quote, one of the most interesting things about Tungavailoa when compared to some of the other top quarterback prospects in recent memory is that... We've never really seen him play bad football, end quote. That's PFF's lead draft analyst, Mike Renner. In 2019, Tungavailoa was efficient throwing the ball to all three levels of the field. Per pro football focus, his passer rating was third in college football on throws 20 plus yards down the field, fourth on intermediate throws in the 10 to 19 yard range, and second on passes nine yards and in. He took the fewest sacks among 2020 quarterbacks, had the seventh best adjusted completion percentage with the third fewest turnover worthy plays in college football. In Tungavailoa, the Dolphins are getting a good football player and a better person. As Tua is Miami bound, he's not coming alone. He believes in the three pillars that make up his life, faith, family, and football. Now, the highest rated passer in the 150-year history of college football will join the Miami Dolphins as the fifth pick in Thursday night's NFL Draft. And the Dolphins were not done on Thursday night, taking their second selection, number 18 overall, with USC offensive tackle Austin Jackson. And in a game that is predicated on sacrifices, and especially in a program like the one the Miami Dolphins want to run, that is built upon the vision of tough, smart, dependable football players, nobody embodies a selfless mentality like the newest Miami Dolphin here along the offensive line in Austin Jackson. The left tackle from the University of Southern California heard his name called by the commissioner on Thursday night, serving as a bookend for a wild year for Jackson and his family. Jackson and his younger sister, Autumn, are inseparable. She suffers from a rare bone marrow deficiency that robs her body of producing red blood cells. It's called diamond black fan anemia, and it has been causing her complications for a number of years. The impact of those treatments had been deteriorating ever since she began them, leaving Autumn with limited options, the best of which was a bone marrow transplant, and as fate would have it, Austin, your newest Miami Dolphin, and his sister were a perfect blood match across 12 different criteria. Quote, it was a godsend, Austin said. She's a fighter. She's really tough, end quote. And Austin, because of that, spent most of the 2019 summer in Phoenix in anticipation of the transplant. Finally, the family received word that it was go time and a successful three and a half hour procedure later, Austin, nearly immobilized for the next week with throbbing pain in his lower back, was put on a couch. With his family taken care of, it was time to get back to football for the six foot five, 322 pound blind side protector there at USC in the Pac-12 and turning 21 years old, very young player next month. And without the benefit of an off-season program in 2019, Jackson's upside could just be coming to fruition at this point of his life and of his football career. 
This from NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah, quote, he's got a great knee bend, which is a technique for blocking, and he can really move laterally. He's only going to get better, end quote. And Jackson blazed a 5.07 40-yard dash at the NFL Scouting Combine for his on-field workout. He measured at least in the top 84th percentile among all offensive linemen since 1998 with the 40 time, as well as a vertical jump and broad jumps coming in at 31 and 115 inches, respectively. It's the athleticism that catches the scouts' eyes when they cut the tape. This from Lance Zerline of NFL.com. Jackson has loads of athletic ability and play talent. He's scheme-diverse with potential guard flexibility and could become an early starter, end quote. You hear Brian Flores talk about versatility all the time. Guys that can play multiple spots, and Jackson, because of that, with what Zerline says, the ability to play tackle, maybe some guard inside, helps keep your game day active roster options open, but also it keeps you in flexibility and terms of man zone scheme running game uh, pass blocking in the screen game he can do all that stuff at a plus level and Zerline mentions Jackson's nimble feet as a strength for his ability to cover a lot of ground quickly on his initial kick slide and pass sets that's when the offensive line first gets off the line because of that length and quick feet he can really get into his set and set up his set pretty early for the pass rusher who then has to make a decision to go inside or outside and that athletic profile helps Jackson against speed rushers both running the opposition around the quarterback and out of the play altogether and working to redirect against counter moves underneath. Those sweet feet benefit Jackson getting to the second level and in space in the run game and the screen game. As Zerline notes, he's rangy on long pulling plays and wide receiver screens and particularly adept at hitting cutoff blocks at the second level where you climb to the linebacker, you turn, you seal, you create a gap for your running back. Jackson's athletic ability was on display at the combine and at left tackle in college, but also on the field goal block team. The big lineman used that leaping ability, the 31-inch vertical, 115-inch broad jump, to reject not one, but two field goals during his career in college at USC. The Dolphins' vision under Chris Greer and Brian Flores calls for smart, tough, disciplined players that are hungry and ready to embrace the grind, something Jackson describes in himself, quote, I'm passionate and competitive. I want to win. Line up with my teammates, my guys, and I play to win, compete, and dominate, end quote. He's the youngest tackle in this draft class, and because of that, Jackson acknowledges both his room for growth and the path to becoming the player that Greer and Flores want him to be or envision. Quote, I have a work ethic unlike any other. I see what needs to be fixed within myself, and I'm able to correct it and improve. End quote. And Jackson played 1,748 snaps the last two years, all of those at left tackle. Pro Football Focus notes his smooth movement and urgent pass sets as the best two traits he offers as an NFL tackle. His 27 bench press reps, which ranked 80th percentile, by the way, are even more impressive considering his length with the 34 and a half inch arms. It's not easy to bench press when you have to go that far with your arms being 34 and a half inches long. Jackson's ready to embrace the lifelong dream that was fulfilled on Thursday night, but the real work has just begun in Jackson's eyes. Quote, I'm confident I come from a family of football players. This is what I've been working for. This was my dream since I was a kid, since I started playing football, and I am ready. End quote. And the Dolphins were not done adding parts to their roster on Thursday with a third pick in the first round after a trade down brought the Dolphins from pick 26 down to 30, where they selected Auburn defensive back Noah Igbenogany. 
And if you want to talk about pure athlete, it starts with Igbenogany. We know the Dolphins added Byron Jones this offseason, and he really tested through the roof at the scouting combine in Indianapolis. And the same is true for Noah, who moonlighted as a track star at Auburn in both the long jump and the triple jump events for the Auburn track team. And that gave him an opportunity to really kind of skate by in the spring practice portion of the football season. But Noah was having none of that. His coach in the defensive backfield, Wesley McGriff, knew that there was a possibility he might not have Igbenogany during the spring practices because two sport athletes are given some leeway with regards to practice time during the overlap between the two sports, and that was a leash that Igbenogany was not at all interested in exercising. This quote from McGriff, quote, that kid's attitude is phenomenal. You have to run him out of the building, end quote. And that love for the game is nothing new for Igbenogmany. He fell in love with football in the second grade and never looked back. And that genuine passion for the sport really caught the attention of coaches throughout the Auburn Tigers staff last year. Quote, Noah came over and got 15 days of spring practice back in 2018. Then he's basically a starting cornerback in the SEC from the start. He played very well last year, but it was his first year on defense. A lot of it was all new to him, and he progressed each game, end quote. That's from defensive coordinator Kevin Steele of the Auburn Tigers football team. Gus Malzahn is the head coach, and he's also the play caller, so you know his background's on the offensive side of the ball, but he still recognizes Igba Nogmany's leadership from the other side of the football. Quote, he's one of the defensive leaders. He has a presence about him, and he played with a whole lot more confidence this spring. He plays with an edge, and that carries over for a lot of people. End quote. And that edge is really one of Noah's most prideful traits. He began his career at Auburn and acknowledged during his interview on the Drive Time podcast, which is available now, interviews with Tua Tungavailoa, Austin Jackson, and Noah Igbenogany that his experience dealing with feisty corners really inspired him to become just that, the guy that was a nuisance for opposing receivers. This quote from his teammate at Auburn, Javaris Davis, he's so athletic and it's in his genes. He's just so good. A lot of people can't do what he can do, end quote. And Davis is right. Igbenogany was a national champion in high school in the triple jump event, and that showed this year in the scouting combine where he ran a 4.48 40-yard dash and posted a 37-inch vertical jump and a 128-inch broad jump, the latter checking in at the 88th percentile of the broad jump testing metric in Indianapolis. And those athletic traits don't fall far from the tree. Igbenogany's parents were both Olympians for their native country in Nigeria. And this isn't just track speed. It translates to the football field. He just started playing cornerback back in 2018 and allowed a completion percentage of just 41.9% on balls targeted for his man that first year. He added a pick and broke up 18 passes in his two years at Auburn. This quote from PFF's Mike Renner, you heard him on the podcast, podcast earlier this week. He'll be in hip pockets all day, even in the NFL. He loves to get physical at the line of scrimmage with opposing wideouts, and he never let them leave arm's length, end quote. The fluidity of Igbenogwini's game is apparent on tape. He's a smooth operator when you watch him, man. Whether working out of a backpedal, playing a zone turn, or matching up man-on-man, he's thickly built to properly play that physical brand of football he wants to play and shows patience with his technique. Per pro football focus, Igbenogwini played the second most 
press coverage reps in 2019 of any cornerback in all of college football. So you get the fit there. Igbenogbeni allowed an impressively low 51% completion rate last year. And on passes that were deeper than nine yards, he allowed a completion on just 14 out of 37 passes. A sticky man cover corner. He also embraces the tackling aspect of the position. This quote again from the DC at Auburn. He's got a tremendous skill set, a great defensive temperament, and he's very knowledgeable. Put that with the toughness, just an innate toughness, and you'll see a guy that progresses and progresses, end quote. I mean, that's a Brian Flores cornerback through and through right there. Knowledge of the position, former receiver, so the ball skills are there, and he can come up and tackle. That's what you want in a cornerback right there, man. And Brian Flores certainly loves his four-down players, guys that are willing to contribute on special teams, something that Igbenogwini takes a lot of pride in. He's a dynamic return man and can get down the field on coverage teams quickly and make a tackle. NFL.com's Lance Zerline notes those special traits, special teams traits, rather, in his scouting report on NFL.com. Quote, stocky but explosive receiver turned cornerback. He's extremely extremely physical from snap to whistle with the strength to alter route timing from press. He's a good athlete with a plus burst to close. He's naturally aggressive to ambush catch tries. He's good in run support and offers early special teams help, end quote. And he joins free agent acquisition Byron Jones to give Brian Flores, Josh Boyer, and Gerald Alexander another talented defensive back in this room, a room the rookie defensive back is already familiar with. If you heard the other Drive Time podcast, the interview with Noah Igbenogany, He said, quote, I've looked up to Jones and Xavier Howard for a while now just because of the way they play. I've been watching those guys from afar ever since I switched to cornerback, end quote. And so that is a wrap. Tua Tungavailoa, Austin Jackson, and Noah Igbenogany, the three Dolphins draft picks on Thursday night. We still have plenty more to go, though. The Dolphins acquired yet another draft pick, bringing their total up to 15. And today on Friday's portion of the NFL draft, The Dolphins are scheduled to pick number 39 overall in the second round, 56 overall also in the second round, and then one more time in the third round with pick number 70. And then Saturday, 10 more picks. We get number 136 from the Green Bay Packers in that trade back. We still have 141 as part of the comp pick for Jawan James last year. Three picks in the fifth round, number 153, 154, and 173. And then one more pick in the sixth round, 185, and three picks in the seventh, 227, 246, and 251. Some of the best players available on the draftnetwork.com's big board. The number 17 player and 18 and 19 for that matter are still on the board. And Xavier McKinney, J.K. Dobbins, and Christian Fulton. McKinney is the top safety on the Draft Network's big board. Dobbins is the top running back on their big board. And Fulton is the number three cornerback on the Draft Network's big board. We still have... Another big-time producing running back in college and Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. He's on the board. Safety Grant Delpit's still up there. In fact, all the safeties are on the board still. Ashton Davis, Antoine Winfield, Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit, all these guys still available atop four safeties on the Draft Network's big board. A.J. Epinesa, The Edge, Yatir Grossmatos, both those guys still on the board. Receiver LaVisca Chenault, number 31 overall. He's up there. Zach Bond, The Edge from Wisconsin, number 32 overall. Denzel Mims, the receiver. 
receiver out of Baylor, number 35. He's up there. Clyde Edwards-Elair came off the board, number 32. He was the first and only running back taken. So every running back besides Edwards-Elair still up there, a position to look at, maybe back in that defensive secondary. Maybe you add another rusher and a defensive lineman. Plenty of options available for the Dolphins on day number two. And of course, with those 10 picks on day three, the flexibility again, to quote Chris Greer, to really do whatever the hell we want. And I added the hell in there because they've done a great job of really keeping themselves flexible and available to go up or down the board, to go and attack their needs or players that just fit the system, that fit the scheme. And so they have an opportunity if they want to target a player and go up, they can do that. And if they want to fall back and pick up draft picks later on this year, maybe even next year, they have the ability to do that. Again, ultimate flexibility. That was the plan for the draft. 15 total picks, three in the bag, Tua Tungavailoa, Austin Jackson, and Noah Igbenogany, the cornerback, the offensive tackle, and the quarterback all in tow. We'll talk to you guys again tonight, do it all over again, and then we'll do it all over again on Saturday. Plenty of podcasts coming your way here on the Drive Time Podcast, but as for today's time, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter for updates on draft day at Winkfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible Podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. We have detailed write-ups on each of these players. Until next time, fins up.